Well, good Monday morning and welcome to Connect, the California MBA's weekly podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. I'm Dustin Hobbs, Communications Director here at the California MBA, and it's July and we're continuing our series chatting about uh, legal issues, litigation issues, and trends in the mortgage industry with some of the top uh, attorneys in the uh, mortgage business today. We've got a great guest for this week, and so we'll get into the conversation with him here in just a minute. But before we do that, let's thank our sponsors over at Incelerate. So Incelerate helps lenders close more loans through better borrower engagement through the the industry's most innovative customer experience platform that delivers lead management, sales enablement, engagement, a robust mortgage-specific content library, and data intelligence, all-in-one comprehensive and highly scalable platform. Accelerate delivers dynamic technology, strategy, and content for every channel of your business to ensure engagement throughout the customer journey, whether that be with your customers, your borrowers, your referral partners, or any other partner in the loan transaction. The dynamic enterprise solution seamlessly fits into your tech stack, and that's your your phone integration, your POS, your LOS, servicing system, data enrichment, and uh, and that's due to their advanced advanced API connectivity, modern design, and open architecture. So gone are the days of managing multiple and separate uh, systems and silos like your CRM, your marketing automation, and lead management, and having your data trapped in those silos. The innovative platform at Accelerate allows you to provide your internal and external customers with timely, relevant information based on data intelligence to build repeatable outcomes at each stage of the customer's journey. So the bottom line, close more loans, improve borrower conversations and conversions, enhance customer retention, transform your customer acquisition lifestyle, and create customers for life. So for more information, visit Accelerate.com, or you can uh, call the number listed in the description below. So before we jump into the conversation, I want to give you a quick update on what's going on at the California MBA. Obviously, we've got our two big main conferences, our Western Secondary and our Western States CREP conference are both open for registration right now. So visit westernsecondary.com or wscref.com to register for either of those conferences. You can also find information about those on our main website, cmba.com. You can click on the events tab and find uh, links and information there. Both conferences are back and in person this year, so we hope to see everyone there. We're still in our early bird period for registration for both of those, so if you're looking for the best rate and uh, best way to save money on registration, it's the time to do it is now and register. So make sure and go to do that at uh, westernsecondary.com or wscrep.com. All right, let's jump into the conversation here. I'm excited to welcome in a friend of the association, Eric Troutman. Eric is a partner with Squire Patton Boggs, and he's also the czar of TCPA World, the uh, one of the uh, well-known industry blogs uh, focusing on the Telephone Consumer Protection Act issues. So Eric, welcome. Thanks, man. Really cool to be here. And let me just encourage everyone listening. You really should get out to these events, uh, great events, and I'm going to be there and you should be there too. Absolutely. Eric's actually got one coming up here soon. Eric, you want to tell us about the uh, conference that uh, you're helping put together? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we've got the Compliance Palooza, right? It's not mortgage specific. This is kind of multi-vertical, but we're going to be chatting through all the cool stuff that you'd expect to chat through in a two-day in-person format with a really neat keynote speaker, some guy that just like put together the governing coalition in Israel. No big deal. Um, But it's going to be a ton of fun uh, covering TCPA, of course, but also data breaches, privacy, and a big CID workshop. Hopefully none of you are facing those right now, but if you are, we're going to help you to get through that. Two days for like 750 bucks. It's in Vegas. It's going to be a party. You should come down. Sounds good. All right. And if, the, if someone wants to register, where can they do that? 
Uh, obviously, check out tcpaworld.com, which is where you should be going every day anyway, but uh, there's also a specific website called compliancepalooza.world, which I don't expect you to remember, so just go to this one right here and you'll be fine. There you go. All right, well, Eric, well, so for those that uh, maybe aren't familiar with you, uh, tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into the industry and how you got into the you know very, very specific uh, world of uh, uh, TCPA issues. All right, so that's a three-hour answer I'm going to give you. Um, but first of all, no, nobody is not familiar with me. So I, I reject the premise of that question, right? Assumes facts, not in evidence. Uh, so I, I started off as a trial lawyer. That's all I wanted to do with my career is just try cases. And I was at a very good firm, regional firm. Hopefully you guys know of Severson and Worsen uh, for a number of years. Great firm. Good friends of mine still to this day. I really like them. Uh, much respect for those guys. Uh, and, you know, they set me off trying cases for uh, mostly for mortgage companies like Wells Fargo and, and others. Uh, and I really enjoyed my time. And I thought I was going to be a, a trial lawyer for life. Frankly, I just I thought that was my career. Uh, and then through a, a long story that I'm not going to bore you with, uh, I ended up handling class litigation and specifically uh, Telephone Consumer Protection Act, TCPA litigation, and then eventually more broadly telecom litigation. And, uh, and it was the fastest moving, most confusing, high stakes federal court litigation. And it was so incredibly enticing to me uh, because it was one of those things where you really couldn't just dip a toe into the water, right? You couldn't just pretend to be an expert. And my clients that were, you know, national counsel, in-house counsel at big banks and finance companies, they knew the stuff inside and out and they could smell a phony like a mile away, right? So you really had to completely immerse yourself into this in order to be uh, capable of, of essentially representing these, these big clients that I like to have. So it wasn't long before I created tcpaworld.com because I was breaking down every single case every single day for my team, uh, then at Severson and then later at other firms, including Squire, Patton, Boggs, where I am now, of course. Um, and so it, it didn't take me long to figure out, well, hey, look, if I just, instead of taking these summaries and, and just using it internally, I can kind of turn it into an outward facing um, you know, blog and share information and really try to inform other defense counsel, which is really kind of the idea behind the blog to begin with. Um, and it wasn't long before I became, you know, the guy of the TCPA, which I humbly accept uh, that bestowed title. And frankly, I just love it, man. I love it. I love the TCPA. I love my clients. Uh, I love helping to share information with uh, industry groups and defense counsel. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's a nice thing. It feels like it's a real community these days and I like to be part of it. Yeah. So, well, so question. So when you become the czar of TCPA world, is that something where you've got to knock off the previous czar or is that uh, something that's, uh, is there an election for a czar? It doesn't seem like that makes much sense. No, there was, there were, there was just a world out there that had never been czarred. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the story, it's actually a pretty funny story. Uh, so what, so I was at Dorsey and Whitney, I was a managing partner uh, of an office there. Uh, and at that time, I'd probably I don't know, handled about 150 nationwide class actions, a thousand or so individual suits under the TCPA, uh, and and a partner there, I won't name him, but you know, good guy. He comes up to me one day, he's like, man, Eric, you're not just like a TCPA expert, you're like the czar of the TCPA. Um, and I remember the first time he said it, I thought, that's ridiculous, I'm not the czar. What is it's a weird jarring word. Um, and then as time went on, I realized, it's actually a really very powerful word. It's a cool word. I like the title. He kept calling me that like every time he saw me, there goes the czar. Uh, and after a while, I kind of just adopted it. And so, no, there's no election. Some guy, some knucklehead somewhere just calls you the czar uh, and then you become the czar. I guess that's how it works. 
until someone else knocks you off, right? Now that you are the czar, you've got to, you know, you're, you're that's the true. <laughs> I mean, look, you know, the, the, the barriers to entry in this space are so high. If somebody wants to spend 12 years of their life doing nothing but reading TCPA cases and blogging them every day and defending cases and making that your entire career, then yes, you may come and try to become the czar too. That's great. So, uh, so this last year, obviously, it's been a, uh, to say the least, a challenging and, and uh, unique year uh, dealing with uh, um, COVID and, and I mean, obviously, in the, in the mortgage world specifically, there's been a, you know, an incredible refinance boom, all amidst, you know, what's going on in the, the legal world, the compliance world, the regulatory world. I mean, we've had a change in, in administration. So, you know, question for you: What was maybe this the biggest lesson you learned this last year, whether that's professional or, or personal? Um, you know, I, I can think of a couple of things um, on the personal front, but I think uh, probably more germanely for the audience on a professional front, what I, what I learned, which I thought was interesting, was you know, no matter how uh, politicized our society is, and it, it truly is, um, you know, the Supreme Court has come through now with a couple of unanimous rulings uh, that I think were very sensible uh, in the privacy space uh, and have really kind of delivered. I think, you know, circumstances where they're speaking with one voice. And so what I take away over the course of last year is it's a very politicized time in our country. And, and you know, as a political agnostic, it's challenging for me because, you know, it just seems like everyone on each side thinks the other side is completely stupid. And Your I'm like, space guys, is getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, it's like not everyone, not half the country can't be stupid, right? Maybe maybe we all just need to kind of not live in an echo chamber and kind of talk to each other a little bit more. Uh, but it was, it was really nice to me to see the Supreme Court come out with Facebook, right, and, and unanimously to come out with uh, you know AMG Capital, right, unanimously uh, to kind of really send a very strong message of of unanimity, right, that that people can still get to the right answer at least in the law, maybe not in policy, maybe not outside of of you know the four corners of a of a legal document, but at least in the law we can still kind of come to the, the truthfully right answer. And I like that. And that's kind of one of the things I took away. Um, it, you know, tr try to try to make some sense, make some firmness out of a world that's so fuzzy right now. So Eric, uh, looking at uh, the uh, the TCPA world specifically, what is, as the czar of TCPA world, what is the biggest trend you're keeping an eye on these days? Well, as, as you're looking at the mortgage industry specifically, you folks are, you've got a big target on your back right now. Uh, a ton of TCPA class actions have been filed even after Facebook on the mortgage vertical, particularly around um, origination phone calls, telemarketing calls to potential leads. Um, and, you know, obviously as Facebook has come out, there's been pressure, I think appropriately, to, to loosen to some degree, right, your practices because you've got a dialer and maybe that dialer is not an ATDS anymore after Facebook. So why not look for, you know, maybe maybe around the edges, you're gonna be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, and that, you know, I, I think is slowly becoming reality. Uh, I think the early adopters are likely to start seeing some benefit from that. Uh, and so people are kind of rushing to, to, you know, figure out how they can deploy their dialer in a way that that's not gonna get them um, you know, sued, uh, but more importantly, really not going to tarnish their brand, but is going to give them, uh, you know, potentially a competitive advantage. Uh, but as that's happening, which I think is natural, right? Facebook is a change in the law and people want to take advantage of that. I get it. As that's happening, though, we're seeing a number of cases brought under the DNC provisions of the TCPA, uh, where folks are alleging that, hey, look, you know, I never gave you consent and I'm getting phone calls and my number's on the DNC list. 
So it is absolutely critical to understand that even if you want to be more aggressive using uh, automated technology to contact people for cold calls, you, you got to be scrubbing. You got to be scrubbing that DNC list. Um, and secondarily, the other kind of real big trend, kind of hand in hand, is we're seeing a number of folks who are claiming that uh, they never provided their phone number on, for instance, a website. So I know a number of folks in the mortgage vertical are, are they're buying leads, right? They're buying leads. They want to contact people who are interested in their product. They don't just want to cold call anybody, but they want to be able to reach out to somebody that, that's got some interest. And they're buying leads off of, you know, maybe social media websites, maybe, uh, you know, like a, like a lending tree or something. Uh, and you've just got a bunch of claims that these individuals were not the ones that were actually on that website. So you, you really have to make sure that you understand who you're doing business with, that the folks that you are doing business with are not buying leads from third parties or engaging in processes that you're not comfortable with. You have to have real good vendor control right now because I, I'd say probably the majority of cases against mortgage companies right now are deriving from purchased leads where the allegations are that the lead is not valid because the person it did not actually supply the information uh, either because you know it was a it was a data breach and somebody's nefariously filling in information at random or because some call center somewhere is is you know generating fake leads by inserting people's real known information off of a public record and then you know sending it off as if it was a valid lead just to get paid on it you just have to be really careful uh and your vendor in, uh, input or vendor quality control right now needs to be um you know stronger and more robust than it's ever been so do you think that's the biggest uh maybe impact out of the facebook case or maybe i mean to back that up a bit for those that maybe aren't super familiar, what's the what is what happened with the big Facebook case that uh, you know kind of shook up the the industry and uh, the TCPA world a bit? Maybe you know walk us through that just uh, you know briefly, and then if there's any other major impacts that have come out of that that you didn't already mention, you can go over those real quick. Yeah, no. So Facebook is is a great case, right? Unanimous, as we just discussed, unanimous Supreme Court decision that rejects the Mark's broad formulation of the automatic telephone dialing system. That's the ATDS definition of the TCPA. Uh, you might remember last year, it was a huge split of authority, right? A number of courts were saying, hey, look, anything that dials automatically from a list of numbers is an ATDS and triggers the TCPA's express consent requirements. Other courts said, no, look at the statutory definition in 227A1. It's a very clear definition. It says you have to use a random or sequential number generator for goodness sakes. And if you're not using a random or sequential number generator, you're not using a dialer. Well, the Supreme Court took the issue head on and gave us a very, very nice ruling. And the, the specific holding is that an ATDS is equipment with the capacity to store or produce numbers using a random or sequential number generator. So that phrase, random or sequential number generator, is still required. It is required. And, and the court rejected marks and all the other cases that said it is not required to use that. But this is where it gets interesting. The Supreme Court did two other things, both in footnotes that are quite painful. Well, maybe painful. We'll see, depending on what your system is. Uh, footnote six says, uh, essentially, that the court is rejecting human intervention as a test for whether or not you're using an ATDS, which is fine because, again, if the functionalities required of an ATDS require the use of a random or sequential number generator, then if you're not using that functionality, if you don't have that functionality in your system, whether or not you're clicking to dial, I mean, it kind of doesn't, doesn't matter, right? So clicking to dial is kind of a thing of the past, except insofar as it is pertinent to footnote seven, which is the big one that people are kind of really trying to wrap their heads around. 
Um, people, I think, are misinterpreting footnote 7. I won't give you the false interpretation of footnote 7. I'll give you what is the strongest and most likely to be adopted interpretation, which is this. If you are using a random or sequential number generator for a purpose, not necessarily to create phone numbers, but to determine the sequence in which phone numbers are to be dialed, then you are still using an ATDS. And this has a very clear connection with the recent Florida bill in which a different definition of auto dialer was adopted for all marketing calls into the state of Florida that looks at whether or not you're using a computer to automatically determine the sequence of dialing. So you take footnote seven, you take Facebook, and you take Florida, and you put them all together. And we're in this new era, frankly, where you know click to dial systems are not the, no longer the paradigm right for manual calling um what is now the paradigm right you know your, your safest bet is going to be um alerts that are triggered right one-to-one -one triggered text alerts post facebook your second kind of best most safe systems are going to be those where human beings are actually selecting the phone number in order to be dialed so for instance you know the most cumbersome example of that is you're working in a crm um, and rather than use a workflow tool, you actually pull up your CRM and you actually click on a highlighted link in a, in, you know, in somebody's account. That's fine, right? That's a human being selecting a number. There's also, you know, human selection dialers that are out there. Um, I know of one that I help make called Safe Select. There's probably others. Um, and, and those dialers are kind of built around this concept of using humans to select a sequence of dialing which now seems to be the new gold standard after Facebook and after um, the, the Florida bill. So all, I mean, it, it's, it's really, it's a huge change. Facebook's a huge change um, because of the focus now on random and sequential number generation, which by the way, is happening in your dialer. That's the, that's the other thing that, just, that you need to understand. I've done a bunch of reviews of platforms since Facebook came out. And at first I was surprised, now I'm no longer surprised. It seems like every single one of them have the ability to randomly or sequentially generate numbers. I'm not talking about phone numbers, understand. I'm talking about any number. Um, and so you really have to understand what those numbers generators are doing, why they're there, and can you get rid of them, right? So you can be safer in the post-Facebook world. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. That's, I mean, it sounds like that is, again, <laughs> ever-changing environment there. So speaking of that, um, I mean, you mentioned Florida. What's going on? What's the state of uh, state of play in Florida there? I know a lot of our members are uh, not only doing business in California, but in Florida as well. So this would certainly be relevant to them, even if, and even if they're not doing business in Florida, you know, like, like uh, you know, we talked about in, uh, in California. I mean, if there's a bill that passes in California, it tends to, you know, flow its way across the country. And I think Florida is the same way. If there's a, a big bill that passes in Florida, there's a good chance that it, we're going to see it in other states. Yeah, well, so there's a couple of really big things going on in Florida. Um, I'm going to talk about the Florida robocall bill, which is, I know what you're alluding to, but we have to also keep in mind Hunstein, right, which is also a big ruling out of the state of Florida from the 11th Circuit Court of Appeal, uh, and many of the folks listening uh, on the servicing side, right, on the servicing side, Hunstein is what you need to be most worried about. Um, but on the marketing side, um, and, you know, I know that you folks live in two different worlds, but sometimes, for instance, you want to market to your servicing portfolio. So there's some crossover. Sure. Um, but in the, on the marketing side, uh, you've got a huge change, a huge change in Florida where there is now a private right of action that's been added to the telephone solicitation bill over there. Uh, and that's uh, 059 of Florida statutes. And then you've got a completely different set of rules that were added to Section 616 of the Florida statute. Um, but the 059 requirements are really interesting because they have a private right of action now. 
never existed before. Uh, and so essentially just kind of getting down to it. If you are using automated technology, including potentially click to dial systems that use a computer to decide the sequence of dialing. Okay, think about what I just said. If you're using a click to dial system that uses a computer to determine the sequence of dialing, you have to have express written consent to call consumers. Not an EBR, not an inquiry, express written consent. The end, it's black and white. And if you don't, there's a now a private right of action. And I gotta tell you, that private right of action is broader than the TCPA. A lot of people are calling uh, the Florida bill the mini TCPA. To a certain degree, the TCPA is the mini Florida bill because the Florida bill also has a private right of action for the content of your call. You, you've got some content restrictions in there. It also allows a private right of action for um, what they're calling spoofing, but that isn't really spoofing. I mean, it kind of looks like DID cycling um, can be treated as a violation of this act with a private right of action, $500 per call, up to $1,500, just like the TCPA. Very serious stuff. Obviously, we're covering on TCPA world, um, but I mean, it's really important. If you're, if you're not aware, if you're a marketing, if you are making marketing calls, including marketing to your own customers, got to emphasize that, to your own servicing portfolio, you are, you just have to be aware of the Florida bill. Um, now, if you're not calling customers in Florida, um, make sure that that's true because there's a rebuttable presumption that if you're calling a Florida phone number that you are calling a customer in Florida, even if the property address is say in California or elsewhere. So that's something you have to keep in mind. I mean, no matter what, no matter where you are, no matter where your portfolio is, you've got to be thinking about this bill. But to your point earlier, it's just a matter of time before there's going to be creep, right? Out of Florida into other states and you know, California is going to be the first one to jump on this. So you just really get your ducks in a line, check out the Florida bill. We've got a bunch of coverage of it on TCPA world and I'm happy to answer questions, but that's only half of it. <laughs> There's a whole other half, um, which does not have a private right of action and which is frankly just, the, it's incredibly befuddling and almost certainly unconstitutional, but we'll park those issues. Um, but you can no longer call past 8 p.m. And that includes with consent in all likelihood. Hmm. It's a problem, okay? You can't call your customer past 8 p.m. And you can only call the customer three times or potential customer, uh, call, call it a lead, call it you know a, a target, uh, call it a near customer, as they're saying these days. Uh, you can only call three times within 24 hours. So that's a hard and fast limitation, no matter what technology you're using. So you, you've just, you've got to be aware of these things. And these last two provisions, there's no private right of action, but there is, at least for a portion of the new amendments, uh, the, particularly the DID cycling portion, uh, there's criminal penalties. So you could go to jail if you get it wrong. Um, it's really, it's a fascinating bill. It passed unanimously in both chambers of the Florida legislature with no debate. They've got a really interesting 60-day schedule down there where they handle all their bills in a 60-day window. So there was really no debate. It just went like sailing through and it got signed by DeSantis uh, the day before it was set to become effective. It's effective July 1st. It was signed June 30th under cover of darkness. Um, and I feel like TCPA world, we were the only ones covering it. That's not entirely true, but I mean, like, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I'm glad you asked. It's a huge change and it's already in effect. So what, I mean, what, from your perspective, I mean, our lenders that are lending in Florida, what percentage would you say, if you just had to put a number on it, are even aware or complying with it right now and maybe don't even realize it? Well, I mean, I'm hoping that all of you are, you know, following TCPA world and then, you know, you at least are aware of it. But look, I mean, the odds of folks being fully in compliance with this bill, I mean, if you are 
congratulations, right? If you've operationalized uh, the, the requirements of this bill, you know, within a week of it having essentially passed, uh, technically it passed in April, uh, or in April, but no one was talking about it until we started talking about it in May, and it didn't pass until uh, it wasn't signed until the end of June. So if you've already kind of got yourself in compliance, then then I applaud you. Good for you. Good for you. That's what you should be doing. But for everybody else, I mean, the clock's ticking. Uh, private right of action. Every uh, plaintiff's lawyer I've talked to down there in Florida is like, well, we're done with the TCPA. We're just going to file suits under this Florida bill. We can go to state court, right? Uh, and these are all our buddies and pals out there on the state court bench, you know, unlike the you know aloof federal judges, and, and we're just going to hammer people. So, I mean, you've really got to take this stuff seriously. You've got to operationalize right now. You know, the call limitations are critical, but getting express written consent and not marketing to your existing customers, right? That's the biggest risk point. That's the biggest risk point that's being created um, by the Florida bill, because that's where it departs the most from, from the TCPA, the federal TCPA. I think most people know, you know, if you are making auto-dialed calls to um, folks that, that you know, you're, you're trying to pitch to that aren't your existing customer, I, I think people know that you need to have express written consent for that. Um, and, you know, so, so the two big changes are, one, the definition of auto dialer is different, right? So if you're making express, if you're making calls to people using click to dial, thinking you're safe under Florida, nope, you are not, unless you're using a very highly specialized kind of dialer, okay, one. And then two, um, if you are marketing to your own customer, thinking, hey, look, I'm allowed to make calls, right? EBR, I'm protected. The EBR exemption is gone in Florida. The inquiry exemption is gone in Florida. You gotta have that express written consent unless you are dialing absolutely manually. And that includes to your own portfolio. I cannot emphasize that enough. That's, well, and so to that point, I mean, is that, uh, if I had to ask you what's one thing lenders could do right now to reduce risk, is that what is that kind of the, what you'd uh, suggest or is there, you know, maybe something else that you haven't touched on yet that uh, if you're a lender right now, you know, and you're staring down the changes at TCPA and Facebook and Florida, I mean, what what can I do if I'm a lender and I say, I've got one thing I can do today, what should Florida. it be? Yeah, you got you got to do Florida. If you are, you know, just short answer. The answer is Florida. Okay, that is the answer. Um, and and not using pre-recorded messages. We haven't talked about that. Uh, but look, again, as we talked about before, no matter where you are in the country right now, I'm I'm like becoming a ghost. Look at me. This is like this is amazing. Um, no matter where it's you are in the country right now, star halo. Yeah, you need to be taking this Florida thing very seriously. Obviously, if you're working in, with a Florida-based portfolio, it is critical, critical, critical. But even if you're outside of Florida, again, if you're if you're calling Florida area codes, there's a presumption that you're calling a Florida consumer. So scrub and take a look and talk about your practices and operationalize the requirements of the new amendment. Uh, but secondly, uh, you know, I don't know who out there is using pre-recorded calls anymore, uh, including IVR or ringless voicemail. Just you know, directionally, you know, start moving away from that. Was my recommendation after after Facebook. You know, Facebook really is a very powerful tool, and it really gives you a lot more latitude. Again, especially where you're using like a safe select dialer, but all but in the text message space, right? Text messaging, uh, alert texts are and and AI texts are pretty much green lighted after Facebook, right? And that's a very powerful communication channel, and you should really be thinking about using that. I mean, that's a, it's a great gift from the Supreme Court. So, you know, to me, anyone that's still using pre-recorded calls when they could be using text engagement, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, just, just don't, don't do that. 
Yeah, oh, I, the, even just the open rates on text messages compared to almost any other form of, communi of communication and marketing right now, I mean, it's it's night and day. Yeah. So uh, and, uh, we've got just a, just a minute or so here to uh, to wrap up. Um, and Eric, thank you for the it such good uh, advice and a lot of practical takeaways for the audience here. And uh, so as we close out here, I know you've been a, a big supporter of the California MBA for a number of years now. Um, and so if you're speaking to another morning, maybe a lender or uh, someone else in the industry that's maybe not a supporter of their, uh, their state uh, industry trade group or even the national MBA, what's your advice to them on why it's important? Oh, I mean, look, it's just silly, right? I, I mean, and, and I don't, truthfully, I don't believe that there's anybody out there that's not a member of these trades. I, I mean, nobody is organizing, providing information, sharing information, allowing networking, and ultimately advocating on your behalf better than your trades, right? I love the national MBA, they're fantastic, but if you're a California lender, right, the CMBA is closer to home, they've got all the big con uh, connections in Sacramento, and they're pushing hard for you, but they can't push hard for you if you're not communicating with them, right? And you need to be a member in order to do that. And by the way, you get to rub shoulders with everybody else in your area, maybe you'll learn a little bit here and there, plus you get to hear from guys like me. Um, so look, I, I, honestly, I struggle believing that there are any sophisticated you know mortgage lenders out there that aren't already members of these trades but if you're out there and you're hearing my voice and you haven't signed up you should i mean it's just it, to me it's a complete no-brainer yeah when you heard it from the czar so eric thanks uh thanks for joining us really great to uh, to chat with you hopefully we'll uh see you in person here later this year and actually get to get to shake hands in person thanks again for joining us yeah absolutely chat soon thanks man yeah, yeah. And if you enjoyed the conversation here, make sure and subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And we'll be back again next week for another episode of Connect. We'll see you then. Here we go.